You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. text tells us why his stomach turns out. Then I was told, you must prophesy, speak again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. Remember where John is on the island of Patmos. He's a prisoner. Remember why he's there. He tells us in the opening chapter, chapter one of Revelation, I was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It cost him. We are called to proclaim the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ just like John was. But just like John, there's a cost to sending that gospel forward. The thought of going and speaking the Word again turned John's stomach, but he was faithful to record and to send out everything that he saw, even from isolation on the island of Patmos. We follow his lead, and we follow Christ who bore the cross because of the joy on the other side. We know that there's a cost, but we also know the love of God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 10 with today's edition of The Living Word. Revelation chapter 19, John sees another angel. This angel communicating with him is so glorious, majestic, that verse 10, he says that this, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you, with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything they said culminates and has to do with Jesus. He's the main thing. Did you hear what I said? Seven thunders speak. God tells us they speak, but it really doesn't matter what they spoke because the main thing is not what they said. Is it basic? Yes. Is it elementary? Yes. But it's the only message that'll really make a difference in somebody's life, eternally. Verse eight, Revelation 10. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. Now pause there for a minute. The scroll at least contains the Word of God. It might be the Word of God, but it at least contains the Word of God. I'm a literalist. I believe in the literal interpretation of Scripture. But if you're like me, when you read a verse like this and you say it at least represents the Word of God, don't, in taking it literally, eat your Bible. 
Take it and eat it. It'll turn your stomach sour. But in your mouth, it'll be as sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Why do you think John's stomach turned sour after he ate the scroll? Well, on this one, we do not have to speculate because the last verse of our text tells us why his stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy, speak again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. Remember where John is on the island of Patmos. He's a prisoner. Remember why he's there. He tells us in the opening chapter, chapter one of Revelation, I was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It cost him. John's an aged saint, and for years and years and years, he's now been proclaiming Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. And if you reject Jesus, there's a place called hell. And beyond hell, there's eternal damnation. That's why when I read the word of God, as I did this morning, for me, for me, for me, I love the word. It's so sweet. It really is sweet as honey in my mouth. But then when I digest it and understand as I proclaim the message about Jesus and the truth of the word of God, it's a bittersweet message. Here's where we're headed. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be Put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, Jesus Christ. Isaiah said for us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I can't wait for that day. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Daniel, in receiving the revelation of the end times, just like the book of Revelation, Daniel 7, the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to, now here he says, listen, be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Here's the deal. If you haven't come to fully appreciate this, he's my king as well as my savior. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming again. And when he comes, he's coming for me. And if I go before he comes, he's coming and I'm coming with him. Riding on a white horse. And he's going to set up his kingdom. And I'm going to rule and reign with my king and my savior forever and ever and ever and ever. Wow. But when we tell people that, you, you would think when you offer such a great opportunity, hey, listen, I found the fountain of life. I found the key. To eternal youth. <laughs> You'd think everybody would just be jumping on board. 
bittersweet. Because not only is it a message of, of salvation, it's a message that if you reject the only message of salvation, then, then you're, you're saying, you don't understand. Jesus is the only way. And by the way, Jesus is the only way. We're living in a world where even churches are buying into Jesus not being the only way. Let me remind the church I pastor, Jesus is the only way. Listen. Paul, the whole letter of Galatians is written because they bought into a gospel that wasn't a gospel. There's only one gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Jesus is the only name. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. There's no way to the Father except by him. And that is the truth. It's the only truth It's going to save anybody. But it's a bittersweet message. Because not only does it involve, not only telling them if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be saved. But if you deny him, if you reject him, you're going to be damned. And they look at you like, what? are you an alien? I mean, haven't you come? I mean, we're educated these days. We've grown these days. Now, Jesus is not the only way. And you believe in a thing called hell? A God of love sending somebody to a place called hell? Yes! The message doesn't change. And it's always bittersweet. And it's bittersweet not only because if they reject Jesus, there's eternal damnation but some of the people you share with. Doesn't it break your heart for your child, for your children on Father's Day to realize there's some children of some fathers in this room right now that do not know Jesus. And if you could lay your life on the altar and you could die so that your child, many fathers would say, yeah, that's me. I would die child could really know Jesus. Well, if you want him to know Jesus that bad, how much more do you think the father wants? It's bittersweet because some of the people we share with, listen, Ezekiel had a very similar experience as the apostle John. And if you're good students in a good church, I'll try to let you out on time. If you'll just turn with me. <laughs> if not, you fall asleep. I'm going to wait till you wake up. Because this is important. Every week's important, but boy, this week. Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel, of course, one of the prophets, called to a very public ministry. Just like I'm called to a public ministry, but we're all called to ministry. Verse 4, the people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Oh, that's encouraging. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they're a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. They'll know that somebody at least told them the truth. And you, son of man, don't be afraid of them or their words. Don't be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they're a rebellious house. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or failed to listen. Now look at verse 9. Then Ezekiel says, I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. And, and it was a scroll, just like what happened to John in Revelation. 
And he unrolled the scroll before me, and on both sides of it were words of lament and mourning and woe, judgment. Chapter 3, verse 1, and he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Eat the scroll. And then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat it. Then he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And he then said, Son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. And then he reminds them again of how stubborn the people he's going to are. And then he says in verse 7, But the house of Israel is not willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. And then in verse 9, don't be afraid. Just be faithful. Will we continue to speak the truth? Even though the world around us is not listening, Noah preached for 120 years and eight people after 120 years responded. But his judgment before God is not based on how many people got in the ark. It's based on how faithful he was in all those years. You're being good. So I'm on target to let you out on time. But now you got to go back to the New Testament. Acts chapter one, verse four. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Here in verse 4, Acts chapter 1, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering so that they might be witnesses. There's going to be opposition. They're going to need the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. They will pray, Lord, fill us with boldness. God will grant them boldness through the Holy Spirit to be faithful. So when they met together, verse 6, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You didn't catch what they're asking. Lord, is it time to rule and reign? Going to set up the kingdom now? Rome, not ruling anymore, no more suffering for us, no more opposition. Is it time? Is it now? Notice his answer. Verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know. Whoa, seven thunders. It's not for you to know. That's not the important question, not the important answer. It's not for you to know. Verse 8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Fascinating to me. The grace of God and the mercy of God that here Jesus, what he's saying to these guys, if you'll let me summarize and paraphrase, he's saying, guys, don't you get it? My mission has been fulfilled. I've completed my mission. I've spent 40 days encouraging you guys. And now when I leave, Holy Spirit's going to come on the day of Pentecost. He's going to empower you. And now I fulfill my mission and I'm leaving everything up to you. Really? (laughs) And that's the plan. Now, he doesn't speak. Jesus is not shouting the gospel from heaven. He's in heaven. And he's called you. If you're a Christian, I'm not talking about an American Christian. I'm talking about a real Christian. I'm not talking about you attend church. I'm not talking about you believe the Bible. The devil believes the Bible. 
I'm not talking you believe Jesus came and died and buried and rose again. I'm talking you know him. You've received him. If you're a real Christian, somebody needs to get yelled at today. I'm getting worked up, and I don't understand it, but somebody needs to get yelled at today. And you know what? The other services, I didn't yell. So somebody, just somebody here. You just need to get yelled at. If you're a real Christian, and God's called us, and he hasn't called you, it's okay to invite people to church, but look, what if they don't come to church? Are you going to tell them about Jesus? If you're a real Christian and you've never told anybody about Jesus, you really think you're a real Christian? A little different, this service. I don't know why. A little different. I've got to skip over to the last page and go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What does he mean by that? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Trust me, in the context of the revelation of Scripture, what they realized, who Jesus really is. He's God come in the flesh. They, they first thought, well, he's a great prophet or he's whatever. But now they realize he's eternal. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. In the context, what he's saying is, now when we see people, we don't see them as just somebody who comes and then dies. We see them as a living being that God created. And every human being, even after they leave this human body, is going to live on somewhere. Based on what they've done with the promise of the Messiah, Jesus. Read on. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness. Ambassadors. Ambassadors, in reality, for the King of kings and Lord of lords. My pastor, when I was first saved, Pastor Milton Fraser, he's now with the Lord. I got to preach his funeral a few years ago. What an honor that was. He told me a story of one day he was on a plane as he traveled to speak other places and he was on a plane and he got in a conversation with the person sitting in the seat beside him and the person asked him what he did for a living. You know what he told him? He says, I'm an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is so cool. He wasn't trying to be trite or, you know, he just, you know he, he's, it's the truth. But listen, if you're a Christian, I'm talking a real Christian. You really have come to know Jesus by faith as your Lord and Savior. He's called us. That person you go to school with might even be one of your close friends. Do they know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And you're in their life 
and you're not praying for an opportunity to tell them about Jesus? How selfish is that? You have the way to life and you don't want to offer it to them? I got to hurry now. Or I have to close without hurrying. I'm just going to summarize what I went into more detail in the last couple of services. Isaiah chapter 6, you can just write it down. Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. When he sees the holiness of God, he sees his own sin like never before. He says, woe is me, judgment to me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Then an angel is sent with a coal to touch Isaiah's lips and he says, now your guilt is taken away. You're atoned for. That's salvation experience by faith. And after his salvation experience, God calls out. And Isaiah's right there, but God's calling out. He's not, not really addressing Isaiah. Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Now, just a reminder, 1 Corinthians tells us that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. So because we're bought with a price, God could say, you are mine, you get out of here, and you do the job. He doesn't do that. Who'll go for us? And he leaves the willingness, even after being redeemed. And Isaiah says, Lord, here I am. Send me. And when, when he volunteers, he, he doesn't have any information where he's going to go, exactly what kind of people he's going to go to. And then God tells him after he volunteers, okay, here am I, send me. And then God says, you're going you're gonna to go to a people and they're going to be so stubborn and they're going to not listen to you. But you'd be faithful anyway. And then God ends it in chapter 6, verse 13. And he says, but, but, there'll be a remnant from your ministry. I take it as a whole and I go, boy, there are dads praying for sons and daughters and, and some of us that have people in our lives. Every, every true Christian has somebody in your life that's not a Christian that maybe you've been praying for, maybe you've even shared Jesus with and you go, Lord, I just pray that they would be saved. Be encouraged that, you know, the fruit of your witness may not grow until after you're gone. Don't give up. Question is, will you be faithful to the end? Will you be faithful to the end? Pastor Milton Fraser, as a young Christian, Sunday night service in the Baptist church, and he gave a message. I don't remember what text it was, but in the end, he gave an invitation. And he said, would you surrender your life as a Christian? Would you go anywhere and do anything? God shows you. Will, you. will you just surrender your life and lay your whole life on the altar? Holy Spirit began to stir in me, tears coming down my face. I walked down the aisle in that Baptist church, the same one I'd walked down weeks before to confess Christ as my Lord and Savior publicly. And now I was walking down as a Christian saying, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Full surrender. That's the only kind of life to live, man, as a Christian. And I wonder as we close, as your pastor, just like my pastor on that occasion said, would you surrender your life? You're saved. You're you, you, you know Jesus by faith. You're headed for heaven. But are you surrendered? Are you willing to share Christ if he calls you on the other side of the world? 
Are you willing to share Christ if he called you on the other side of the street? You may be the only Jesus in your world. You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Sometimes life circumstances hit hard, and they can leave us wondering where God is. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes. As we study the book of Revelation, it's full of evidence of the Lord's faithfulness. Though the world often looks dark, Jesus brings so much light. Trust in Him. Are you facing an unexpected or frustrating situation today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we would be honored to do that for you. Send us an email at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we would recognize his voice always? Thanks for praying. If you live in or near the St. Petersburg area and you don't yet have a church to call home, we would love to be that space for you. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Revelation right here on The Living Word.